Hi, welcome. Thank you for tuning to Life Plus Up with your host Kevin Yang. For all the listeners, Life Plus Up is a podcast dedicated in making your life better by achieving success in three core components of life: personal, financial, and career. In each episode, we'll be bringing some of the most positive and inspiring news, followed by introducing programs to help out with personal finance. We'll coach you some professional skills to help you advance in your career, and be your resources for a better lifestyle and health. You can find the newest episode every Wednesday by follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google, or much more. At the end of each episode, I will answer some of the questions from our listeners. So if you have a question, please email me or DM me on Instagram, or just by clicking on the voice link listed in the description. Remember, if you find this podcast informative and helpful, please share with someone that you think this can help. So now, let's have a great show. You just received another resignation letter from one of the employees in your division. This is the fourth resignation within a span of just seven months. Your company has been rolling out a variety of measures to target the struggles of retention. Measures like pre-hiring tests, mandatory diversity training, constant modification toward KPIs, and even more funding toward the ERGs. But none of them seems to remedy the constant turnovers. You ask yourself, how come people just keep leaving? Why doesn't the company know how to deal with the turnover issues? Why aren't the upper management address these losses of resources? Why can't our leaders recognize people as competitive advantage? Welcome to episode fifty-seven. People are the true. Competitive advantage, and the top pick of the week, McKinney of East Village, and Penfolds bin three one one. First, thank you all for tuning to Life Plus our podcast, where we provide tips and advices along with some of my best recommendations of the week. If you have not, please click on the subscribe button and share with your friends and family. As this will help us to continue to improve the program and the content. Before we start, I want to thank you all for all the encouragement messages during my week of hiatus, as I was in the residence week of my executive MBA program with NYU. I will say that it was a week of intense, eye-opening, and certainly very fun. Being able to go back to school, not to mention my dream school, it surely recharged my aspiration. And for the first time in a long time, being excited about my career ahead. If you want to know why NYU is my dream school, it has a very entertaining story behind it, which I will certainly discuss at another time. During this residence week, even though I barely slept, I sure learned much more than I anticipated. It's very exciting that after being an executive in the industry for over seventeen years. 
suddenly realize that the wall that stopped my career from advancing farther is suddenly torn down, and the road of possibility just opened up ahead. One of the courses that I have completed and left a very, very deep impact was leading through changes, taught by Dr. Coleman. In just a span of four sessions, I have reconditioned myself in regards to the concept of diversity, inclusion, and equity. If you notice, I use the word reconditioned because the course and the case that we work through really changed my perception toward the idea and allowed me to learn as a, a blank page. But before I say too much about our main segment, I want to talk about some of the most positive, inspiring news in my topic of the week. So, just to go ahead and share the positive news, and since I am during my journey back to school, it's only appropriate to use this story from CN The Good Stuff, written by Maria Gherkin. The highlight is: This Illinois dad surprised his family with a bachelor degree from the same university as his daughter. When 23-year-old Tella Lovin walked downstairs to her family room the night of her graduation party last October. She was expecting balloons, treats, and some congratulatory high five from her family. What she didn't expect was for her dad to be dressed in the same cap and shiny purple stole as she was. When she saw that he was carrying a diploma with his name on it, she instantly burst into tears. My first and only thought was that I was just so so proud of him, Tyla Tosian, and I was like, wait. Did you really go to the college? Mike Lovin, 47, decided four years earlier that he was going to get his bachelor degree in finance economic from Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, the same school his eldest daughter had just enrolled into study psychology. I really can't explain the reasoning behind the decision, other than that on June 6, 2016. I woke up with a premonition from God that I was going back to school. Lovin told CNN, "I was going to GCU, and it was going to be a surprise to everybody." A few weeks later, Lovin was sitting at his desk taking his first online course while Tala was getting suited in her dorm, with no idea that her dad was a follow antelope. There was no malicious or real reason for hiding it from the family. I just thought the surprise would be so fun," the father of three children said. "I work a lot, and I'm always on my laptop, so no one really knew that I was working on stuff for school all these years." Lovin runs his own staffing company, which his father funded years ago, and has worked there since graduating high school. He always felt like college was only worth it if you were studying to become a doctor or lawyer. If it was just going to be a four-year party, he says, better skip it and not go into debt. I just never really felt it was for me until now, Lovin said. The toughest part about the whole thing, Lovin said, was during the stressful midterm seasons with his wife, son, and daughter, who were all studying at various university at the time, would ask him for help with school-related issues, and he couldn't tell him that he had his own schoolwork to worry about. That he says resulted in many late nights at the computer. What's next for the father-daughter graduate duo? 
Definitely no master's degree for me, Lavin said. But Tella is already on her way to a master's in psychology. And I'm so proud of her. And here at Live Plus Up, we really want to go and give a big congratulation message to both Tyla and Mike for accomplishing such an amazing journey. And Mike, I know how you feel. Going back to school can be scary, but sometimes it also becomes an experience and inspiration for everybody else. So good luck on your study, Tyla. I hope that you'll be able to get your master's in psychology in no time. And Mike, I hope that you might be able to plan another surprise very soon. Now, before we jump into our main segments, I want to talk about our top recommendation of the week. If you enjoy Thai food and you're in New York City, then you know that a good quality Thai food is not cheap. I'm not talking about those normal takeout places. I'm talking about good quality Thai food that have characters such as Thai Villa or The Sea. Those you cannot even get a seat without booking ahead, weeks ahead sometimes. But to my surprise, I actually found a very good Thai food place in just East Village. It's called Makini or Makini. If I'm butchering this, please DM me. The spelling is M-A-K-I-N-N-Y. And I can tell you that it's one of the most authentic and also one of the best Thai food I've tasted in New York with a very, very friendly budget. The target, I assume, will be for all the NYU students. And of course, since I was in residence week last week, I was so glad that I found it. If you want to know more about the restaurants, just find me on Instagram. So what I got was a Pak Ki Mao, which is one of my favorite drunken noodles for anyone who doesn't speak that language. It is fantastic. And I also found out that the executive chef, Mon, has also worked in multiple famous restaurants and dedicated himself to broadcast the authenticity of street Thai food and combined with some popular dishes. So if you ever come across or you're in the area, make sure and visit McKinney on E7th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. You will not be disappointed. Now, of course, that it will not be a top pick of the week if I don't talk about my favorite, which is wine. I had the chance to run into a very, very splendid Australian Chardonnay. It is the famous Penfold Winery, and it's Ben 311 Chardonnay 2017. I would say this is actually from one of the most famous winery in the entire Australia, and I have a lot of fun time with it. The price is very friendly. You can normally get it under $20, sometimes $30, depends on what year you'll be getting, but this is a Chardonnay like no other. If you are a person who enjoy white wine, but sometimes you feel that you want to go and have that rich fruitness and also the aromatic, then sometimes Chardonnay is not the best for you. But this one will be a surprise. Penfold's Ben 311 is a Chardonnay that stands out like no others. Truly remarkable. On the nose, there's a strong aroma of peach, daisy flowers, honeysuckle, and butter. If you look at the color, it is golden straw, pale to little green, on the palate, it's medium body with high acidity, which means that it is crisp. There are hint well-balanced citrus, pear, apricot, and butter. It gives the impression of drinking fresh mineral water from the mountain stream while you're hiking in the middle of the Out of 100 points, I will personally rate this at 96. So if you ever come across and you want to find a good Chardonnay, this will be one of the best ones that you can find. It is Penfold's. Ben 311, and the year that I drink 
it was 2017. And this too is my top picks of the week. Now let's take a short break before we jump into our main segment. Hi, this is Kevin from Light Plus Up. Do you want to have more resources or episodes? If you do, don't forget to visit our Patreon page listed in the show description. As being a patron to our Patreon, you'll be getting special episodes, workshops, or even one-on-one Zoom meetings for your life coaching plans. Be sure to sign up for our publication, The Life Business Insiders, where you can find tons of resources to help you from some of the most brilliant minds in the industry to help you to succeed in personal, financial, and career. So don't forget to subscribe to The Life Business Insider, a free online publication for all the listeners of the Life Plus Up podcast. Welcome back. Now, like we talked about earlier, people are the true competitive advantage. When I was doing my case study with Dr. Lisa Coleman for my class, Leading Through Change, there was a particular case that really struck a very deep impression. It's a case study designed by MIT Sloan School of Business. I remember clearly that the author put this word. Hence, today's manager are trying to implement third-generation strategies through second-generation organizations with the first-generation management, said Christopher Barlett in Sumatra Gosha. War on talent it is a term that the author used as a base of their study of people are the true competitive advantage. I can tell you that I heard this term so many times from so many companies that I either work with or interacted with, and not too many companies actually understand what they are saying. After 18 years, this study is still relevant and maybe more important than ever as many firms continue to struggle in recognizing the importance of human capital. This case is very special to me because each of us in the group was assigning a role. And I was fortunate to be assigned a role that is very resembling to what might do in the real life as a manager to an unsatisfied employee. So we created this scenario when we do this particular case study. And it really opened up my perspective towards some of the challenges that my teammates and I are facing in real life. And I also had a chance to really analyze this topic with my team through different lenses of various levels in organizations, from the C-suite, CEO, CFO, down to the chief human officers, down to even the head of BRGs, myself as a manager, and disgruntled employees. In the scenario that we created, it, I work it into a fictional company called Coleman Enterprise as a manager of a very unsatisfied employee, Lydia. Per our conversation, I learned her dissatisfaction is due to her onboarding experiences, lack of empathetic work environment to create work-life balance, lack of recognitions of individual contribution, and lack of coaching and development. If this sounds like you, yes, you're not wrong because this is supposed to be a scenario that applies to most people here in United States. Realizing her dissatisfaction may be the direct result of the overall culture and some challenges that, that most managers experience. I discussed the challenges with my chief HR officer, Mike. In my conversations, I point out my challenges, which are recruitment, 
development, and retention. And these three topics are normally what most companies are facing, especially on trying to coin the term people as a competitive advantage. From the recruitment standpoint, Coleman Enterprise lacks a program to allow managers to recruit directly from potential talent pool, such as university or job fairs. Managers have very little influences in hiring process as HR have already pre-screened and selected candidates based on diversity quota instead of just evaluating the core competencies. As for challenges in developing team members, managers lack a structural development platform or coaching template. It makes it very difficult to provide comprehensive development action plan to monitor progress or provide constructive feedback in real time. And the biggest challenge of retention for the manager is the current compensation structures. The structure does not really promote recognition of individual contributions, which leads to a lack of empathy in work environment. And these three problems that I listed here in my case studies are very similar to the company that I used to work with, I work with, or interacted with. And I assume that for all the listeners out there, you might hear yourself in these stories as well too. Now, one thing that I remember from the case study that Christopher Barlett said is that if an employee was being recruited or being lured into the company because of big compensation program, they were doomed to go ahead and leave for a bigger one elsewhere. So there's also saying that when I was much younger in my industry, people say people does not leave their job, they leave their managers. And even till now, that might still hold some truth to it. So I definitely feel very, very interested in continuing to explore this topic along with my teammates. Now the challenges by managers of Coleman Enterprises are not unusual. Recruitment has been a challenge for many firms in establishing a culture of building competitive advantage through human capital. Now think about last time, if you are a manager right now, how much influence do you have in the hiring process or screening candidates? Will you be given candidates that's already been pre-screened based on a certain criteria that HR come up with? What type of candidates are those? And how effective are you on growing them and retaining them? In the case study, some firms face difficulties because their HR performs under the old school mentality of only the administration recruitment and onboarding. Many evolving companies start to take a more aggressive and innovative approach toward recruitment, which slowly takes over market shares of talent from legacy firms. Because if you treat the HR as a administration, but lack of empathy, what you will create is a checklist, but they are not really looking into coexist with the company culture. In our project, through the collaboration, the C-suites proposed a plan to establish the best of class in recruitment and onboarding. The method involves hiring additional HR specialists to improve managers' training regarding an interview, offering, and improvement procedures. This provides the managers power and resources to really go out there and find their own talents that they feel strongly can work well with the company culture. And for people who actually are recruited, they will feel more special and tend to be more receptive. Remember, the best opportunities in career in this country, you can't apply for, you gotta get recruited for. To address the challenges of development, first, we had to recap the importance of development listed in the example of McKinsey and Company. In the case study, 
The example, Bartlett and Gashel mentioned the unique development method of intensive individual feedback and coaching implemented by McKinsey and company. In the example, the firm asked the managers to provide constant feedback, evaluation, and advice throughout the whole year. This practice creates a reputation within the industry and builds itself a development and mentorship brand among its peers. When you ask anyone who are in the managing consultant industry, which firm is the best? McKinsey Company will win by far. To address Coleman Enterprise's employee concern, the CWE created an innovative technology platform that allows the manager to document growth through evaluation and feedback-based action plans. But now think it to yourself, listeners. Does your company currently have those coaching platforms? Or they simply go ahead and have a very generic input system for you to write down your own evaluations and let the managers go ahead and select on track, completed, incomplete. Have anyone spoke to you about these particular goals that you set for yourself? Or it was some kind of a last minute push for assignments toward the end of the years? If you are in one of those companies that have those platforms, but the managers are not using it, then you know the problem is not the platform. It is the culture that is not allowing the managers to be able to provide you real-time feedback. And these need to be addressed. And you have to think it for yourself. It's something you want to work with. The platform consists of managers' ability to relay the information to next managers for further development during employees' career developments. How many times when you switch a boss, you have to rebuild your entire development plans? This is a question for all the listeners. If your company right now does not have a system for one manager to pass your action plan to the other, there is a problem. I will strongly suggest you to take that matter into your own hand and make sure that you always write down your own action plan so you can constantly share your growth with your new managers. Now back to the case study. The company also established self-development programs outside of day-to-day tasks like tuition reimbursement and lunch and learning with senior executives. Recruitment and development are essential, but as we discussed, work on talent. Talent retention is highly critical. So I would strongly suggest anyone is constantly trying to self-improve. Knowledge-wise, network-wise, you don't have to go and rely on your company to build yourself up. And many companies support you to try to learn on top of that. So if you're currently in that situation, think about what are some programs that you might be able to build yourself up for. Now, in our meetup scenario, Lydia, the unsatisfied employee is considering leaving due to a lack of sense of belonging, an empathetic work environment, in relation to the purpose of her task. In the case study, Bollett and Garshaw stated, if retention is based primarily on the compensation package, the person lured by a big offer will almost certainly live for a bigger one. To address manager's challenge, the C-suite introduced a series of programs to create an environment that allows the employee who wants to stay. Such program consists of dynamic compensation structure based on manager's input and feedback, resources such as youth center to address work-life balance, and upper management transparency through launch and learn. Now, the business work continued to evolve because the talents drive initiatives behind the scenes. More and more companies started to value the importance of finding and retaining the best talent. The war on talent does not entirely fall on the shoulder of the top level of the organizations, but collective effort from top to bottom. There's no better representation than what Christopher A. Barlett and Sumatra Gausha have stated in their study. Human, not financial. Capital must be starting point, an ongoing foundation for successful strategies. 
Now, let me ask you all listeners. Do you consider yourself a human capital or a tool for your company? If you are a tool, what are you going to do about it? Now, for all the managers out there, if you are facing the same type of problems like I have faced before or in the case study, what can you do to influence the process so we can finally utilize our resources correctly to continue to build human capital as a competitive advantage? All right. Thank everyone for tuning in. I hope that this particular episode will bring some lights to everybody like how it did to me. If you are one of the unsatisfied employees in your company, there are bigger worlds out there. If you are some managers that are currently struggling on retaining your employees, what can you do to your C-suites or to your upper management to propose a better plan for you to keep those talents? And if you are someone that is in the power of making decisions for your company, what are you doing with all the resources that you are getting are you utilizing on your human capital correctly or you treat them as any other financial factors? War on talent is definitely something that we should all look into. And with that, we can have a better business world. Now, for anybody else who want to know more about my next week's pick, I'm waiting for you guys too. So if you have any good pick that you want to send to me for me to try, you can always email me at podcastlightplusup at gmail.com. Remember, this podcast lightplusup at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram. I look forward to see all of you again next Wednesday on Light Plus Up. As we're wrapping up this episode, I want to thank and remind all the listeners that in the description, you'll be able to find the overview of our contents, the links to positive news and resources, and most importantly, the show notes that I publish on Medium. Our music are being brought by Scott Holmes from scottholmesmusic.com. And if you have a question for my guests or for myself, please email me at podcastlifeplusup at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, or simply by clicking on the voice link in the description. If you find this podcast informative and helpful, please follow and subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and share with someone that you really think this can help. If you want to support, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, or simply by clicking on the donation button. Now, we'll see you all next Wednesday. Until then, remember... Success without fun never lasts. And fun without success is not really too much fun. So let's have a fun and a successful podcast together.